Welcome to the Week 14 Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. I'm your host and playoff list commissioner, Denver Desert Dog, Matt Kozlowski. Um, <clears throat> no Eddie tonight, this week. Uh, can't have too many losers on this podcast, so, and I have all the hardware, so I'm a must, so Eddie gets a buy. Um, once Shane gets knocked out this week, we'll have to really find something to do, because can't have three guys that are eliminated on the podcast, so... Um, obviously, T-Bag, Shane Stein, joining us here tonight in the studio. What's up? Great to be here, Matt. It is great. The Cardinals signed Dexter Fowler. What do you got for me on quick <coughs> baseball analysis? Good, bad? Uh, I think it's a pretty good sign for the yeah. Cards. Five years, 80, you're okay with that? I'm all right with that. Right. I think Fowler's pretty good. Um, they could use something top of the order. All right, yeah, I like it too. Papa Cos has been begging for a move, so I hope he's happy with that one. Also joining us live in studio, first time this year. Joined us a couple times last year. Abusement Park, Brandon Sheriff. What's up, Sheriff? Not much. Great to be here. I guess what we have here, we, <coughs> I don't know if we were planning on getting into it. We had this discussion. <laughs> is it abusement? I have no idea. Oh. oh, yeah, we did talk about that. It is whatever you say it is. <laughs> is it abuse because of Adrian Peterson? Or is it That's abuse? Cr- I think it's abuse because of Adrian Peterson. Abusement Park, play. AP. I get it. I get it. Some nifty play on words. <laughs> um, all right, so I guess we'll start off with some trivia. All right. Well, we're going to go Stump the Schwab style. <laughs> um, regular season's now over. Can I, how many people in the league do you think know what Stump the Schwab style means? Um, I'd say we have a good six, at least. All right. I think more than not. I think okay. We know what we're talking Such about. a great show. I wish they brought it back. That guy was incredible, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. I still think I'm better than him. But. <laughs> <laughs> that guy do, do his stuff. But, all right. Regular season's over. <clears throat> so, we're going to find out who the best of the best were. Uh, there are 16 names here I have written down. All 16 were either the best running back or wide receiver in their division for fantasy football in 2016. So they were the best wide receiver or okay. running back in their division of, fo- of <coughs> NFL football. All right. So AFC East. Yeah. Go on. Gotcha. Shouldn't be too. Shouldn't be too bad. All right. So, so it's, who wants it's, to go there's first? a running back and a receiver. There's a running back division. and a receiver from each division. So All right. How do you want to do this? I'm How about all right? So. All right, that's fine. Going stump the shop style, so we don't need to pick them. All right, I'll let I always let the guests go first. I will go with David Johnson. Man, I knew, <laughs> man, I wanted that one. Oh, not on the list. Tough break. Tough break, kid. <laughs> David Johnson's number one overall in football, so yes, he he's on the list. All right, David Johnson, he's good. Liked having him last year. Um. Thanks for dropping them. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'll go Antonio Brown in the north. Antonio Brown is the top receiver in the north. Uh, fifth overall in the league. Uh, I will go... Julio Jones. Julio Jones is not on the list. Yep. He is not, not the top receiver in the good. NFC South. 
<laughs> I, I was going to say him, and I wanted to stay away from that. I thought maybe I'd let you try that division because I wasn't sure if it was him or Mike Evans. Clearly, it is Mike Evans. Yeah. <laughs> is the top receiver in the NFC South. That was a quick win there for you guys. That reek again. Yeah. Reek. Gonna have to give sure a little bonus action here to get this going. Now we can keep going. I'll take Evans. So Evans is number six overall. He's the top player in the South, which is, I think he is literally two spots ahead of Julio Jones. All right, and then I'll go Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's number three overall. He's the top running back in the AFC West. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald is the top receiver in the NFC West. 17th overall. That's like process of elimination. Because there's nobody getting yeah, it. There's really just no one out there. <laughs> it's no one on the Rams and Niners, <laughs> and I don't think it's Doug Baldwin, so I'd go Fitz. And Fitz is leading the league in catches. So. Yeah. And I'll do it. Uh, what about Ezekiel Elliott? Ezekiel Elliott is the top back in the East. Uh, second overall in football. But yeah. Lev Bell. Le'Veon Bell has worked his way to be the top back in the North. He's ninth overall now. I thought about that when you said Brown, but I didn't know if the first three weeks... The Steelers got a nice little monopoly there. Do him in. Steelers and Cardinals. Um, Denver Desert Dogs just doing what they do in the playoffs, by the way. (laughs) We're not here, but two touchdowns on Thursday night from Ray Kell. That's what we do best. We win win in weeks 14 through 16. Right, Shane? Sure do. (laughs) Let's go, oh boy, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is not the top wide receiver in the NFC North. I'm going to go in the AFC South. I'm going to say T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton is the top receiver in the AFC South. Number 14 overall. Halfway home. So if it's not Diggs, is it? Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson is the top receiver in the NFC North. He's 12th overall. Um, I'm going to guess that Jordan Howard is the top running back in that division. Jordan Howard is the top back in the NFC North. 18th overall. Having a great season. A little upset that I dropped him <laughs> earlier this year. I just want to spend some time on T-Bag for a few weeks and couldn't hang on. Cause at any point if you want to just rattle them off, you know. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go Shady in the AFC East. He is the top running back. He's seventh overall. Sure, you sure you don't want to take a stab at the top receiver in the NFC East? Um, Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ is number 10 overall. He's the top wide receiver in the NFC. What divisions are and positions are we so missing? You guys are looking for. Well, we got DeMarco in the AFC South. Yeah, he is the top running back in the AFC South. So you guys have the South AFC done. The NFC East is done. The AFC North is done. The NFC North is done. And the NFC West is done. There's three names. We need a receiver in the AFC West, right? Correct. 
a running back in the NFC South, and a wide receiver in the AFC East. Left on the board. What NFC South running back, right? Oh, would that be? I don't know if this is right, but um, I don't think it's going to be him. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is not the top running back in the NFC. It's going to be Devontae Freeman. Freeman is. Uh, Freeman is number eleven overall. Ingram's not too far behind, but he's number he's number two back in that division. Kind of figured with a couple weeks there getting stolen. Freeman's the top guy. So you got two receivers left on the board. AFC East and AFC West. Um, West receiver, I'm going to throw out Crab. It is not Crab. I never know this one. This is this one's probably one of the tougher ones to, to gauge. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you got to think Crabbe and Cooper. You want to guess Sanders or Thomas. Um, I don't think it's any of the Chargers guys. Although Tyrell Williams has had a nice year. I don't think it's him. Um, I'd have to guess Demarius Thomas. It is not Demarius. Okay. Is the AFC West Jarvis Landry? The AFC East oh. is Jarvis Landry. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Jarvis Landry is the top uh, wide receiver in the AFC East. What a just bad batch of receivers there. Well, like 42nd overall. Sanders had a big game last week. You're all around it, buddy. It's Amari Cooper. Cooper. <laughs> in the, in the uh, AFC right, that's West. That's fine. So, yeah, that was the one that stuck out, though. Jarvis Landry, 42nd overall. Not a, not a whole lot going on in receiving cores in the AFC East. The other position. That stud keeper Julian Edelman didn't make it. He's second. <laughs> the AFC East, but yeah, down here for throwing the ball in the AFC East. All right, um, Stein, you, I'm gonna send out a prediction piece with the podcast. You wanna give us a quick synopsis of the predictions that you threw out there? What you're feeling like is gonna happen in the playoffs here? Um, yeah, I mean. I feel like the six teams that we thought were going to make it made it. Um, I, I don't know if we could really argue about yeah, that. Yeah, they six, all were the six, who we thought they were. Yeah, I think the six best teams made it, um, which, which is kind of what you're hoping for, but um, doesn't always happen. Um, but I think we got. I think uh, we have some really good matchups this week. Um, I think Sure and Butler matchup is, is probably a little more exciting. I think than me and Palakov. I think there's two teams that are just a little better than us. I expect that one to be a little high scoring. Um, I mean, I guess you guys are going to find out whenever you send it out, but I think I have Butler winning that one, and I have myself taking down Papa Cause. Um, two pretty close matchups, I felt like, when I went through them. Um, just feel like the Julio injury and the, the uncertainty with what's going on with Doug Martin right now. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Looked like it would be a great matchup, but now it's looking like he might not get a full workload this week. Um, it's going to be interesting for Papa Cause. I think I'm going to be able to pull that one out. And then that's going to lead to Butler getting Spears and myself getting Fegley. Um, I think Butler gets Spears at the right time. Um, I just feel like Butler's team's peaking right now. The running backs that he has are just ridiculous. And going through his matchups, I, I think he wins that one in a pretty high-scoring affair. And I just don't really like what's going on with Fegley's team right now. I, th- 
I think I'm going to be able to squeak by another one there. So I have Butler versus myself in the championship. And Butler's just got too much talent for me. That's uh, just, just the way it is. Um, I, I'd love to say I, I, that I'm going to win, but I, I just think Butler's team is, is just really, really good. Um, those four running backs that he's throwing out there. And then you throw Antonio Brown in the mix as well. It doesn't really matter who else he throws out there. So, got Butler taking home the title. All right. Well, let's get into some uh, some matchups here. We'll start off with Abusement Park versus the Hammer. Stein's uh, prediction. We'll start off with Abusement Park. We love Drew Brees at home. He's not at home this week. Are you guys at all worried about Drew Brees on the road and what actually still should be a mat- good matchup at Tampa Bay? Yeah, I'm kind of just looking for a bounce back. Uh, pretty bad week last week. I think he ended up with eight point something points. Uh, like you said, a pretty good matchup. Still going on the road, and bottom line <clears> is you're not not going to play him. So just hoping for you know typical Drew Brees putting up 22 to 25, maybe a little extra if I get lucky. Always am. I am. Um, always a big knocker on, uh, on Breeze on the road. Um, love him at home, although it didn't really pay off last week. But the road games this year, um, he's been on the road five times so far. And in three of them, he's been pretty poor. Pretty poor. So, I mean, there's something to be said there. When he goes on the road, he just doesn't play as well. And... Tampa Bay is playing pretty well right now. Yeah, outside of at Atlanta, this is probably the best matchup for him, though, on the road. Yeah, I, I still don't think the matchup's too tough, but I'm going to limit my expectations for him. I don't think it's going to be one of those huge Drew Brees weeks where you're counting on him to put up 25 to 30 points. Yeah, 18 to 20, I think you'd, you'd take it and go home with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You'd take your Breeze and go home. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's where you got to put your expectations this week. If you, if you get over 15, I, I think you take it. And, and hope it's more like 20. Funny thing is, if he takes his breeze and goes home, he's still a teabag. So, <laughs> um, all right, flip side of that, how excited are you guys for Odell Beckham Sunday night primetime against the Cowboys with everybody watching? Primetime games are always exciting. However, the, the Dallas defense, and I think it's more what they do on the offense, controlling the clock, converting on first downs, they really shorten the game. Uh, so, anybody on the opposing against the Cowboys is almost limited just in the amount of touches they're going to get. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, to what you said, though, Kaz, it's pretty much the best part of fantasy is when you get your star in a primetime game. I mean, that's Especially what a guy like him. Especially a guy like him. Yeah. The lights are on. He wants to shine. He definitely wants the ball I mean, more than he already does in just a regular 1 o'clock Sunday game. He made the catch on a Sunday night game against the Cowboys. He did. He did. Um, yeah, that's, that's you can't really ask for much more. You get your, your best player, well, one of your best players in a primetime spotlight game. Um, I'm expecting big things out of Odell. Yeah, I think Beckham's going to have a nice game as well. Um, definitely a candidate for FanDuel lineups this week. I'll move over to the Hammer. Of all the guys on Rev's team, who's the one that if he were to lose, you know, last last year, Rev was in the quarterfinals against Phil, and Dalton went out with an injury, and that really kind of derailed any chance he had of winning. Who's the candidate here to really put up a stinker to really hurt him this week? 
out of all the guys on the hammer. Well, I think when you take a look at his lineup, I mean, he's got two weak spots, in my opinion. Um, Mike Wallace and Jason Mike Witten. Mike Wallace and Jason Witten are the, are the two guys that are the ones that are obviously his weakest players. Um, everything else is pretty much stacked. Um, so if he gets anything from those guys, he's really tough to beat. But I, I think you can go either way there. Either one of those guys are the ones that are going to be the difference in whether or not he wins and loses. I, actually, now that I'm saying that, I feel like Whatever they get is kind of just what they get. Yeah. Um, I guess I almost have to pick someone else and say, I think this week it might be Devontae Freeman. Um, I'm not really loving the matchup at, at L.A. for him, so I think he might be the one that lets him down if it does this week. Yeah, I was kind of looking at De- Devontae Freeman as well, hoping that the you know tough L.A. defense supposedly you know could keep that game low scoring and keep him in check. Um, the other option is maybe a resurgent Carolina defense <laughs> stops uh, Melvin Gordon a little bit. He really hasn't had a bad game this year, so it wouldn't be a bad time for him to to throw up a six spot. Yeah, the other guy that I was thinking about, I didn't love this matchup for Murray tonight, and the game script isn't helping. Um, but even with that, he's at 4.3 points uh, here as we approach halftime. So I feel like if... Butler's able to double that up and get close to 10. He'd be happy with that from Murray this week. Yeah, I don't think he's expecting much more out of Murray. I mean, he's, he had a nice week last week, but uh, I don't think he was expecting Murray to go out there and be the guy that puts up 20 points a week for him. He's hoping for 10 to 15 maybe, somewhere in that range. And he's, he's pretty much his fourth guy as far as running backs are concerned. So he's, he's in his flex two spot, which is you can't really go wrong when you have a starting running back in your flex two. Yeah, I kind of think our teams are a little similar to the fact that, you know, we're both looking for a couple guys to, you know, give some consistency, but then we need our stars to to break out, and it's all just a matter of who hits this week. Um, you know, if you get somebody, Mike Wallace hits an 80-yard touchdown or something, obviously <laughs> I'm in trouble. Yeah, you never wanted to play against an 80-yard touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> it is the tough part about playing. I mean, I, I've had to play you twice this year um, I don't think I played Butler this year I didn't but playing you guys it's like you have to dodge so many bullets because mm-hmm. there's so many stars on your team that I mean there's just, just too many guys that can put up 30 in a hurry that even if you you dodge one where they only put up 10 it's just like alright well they have two or three more behind that they put up that 30 spot I mean it makes up for if you have one or two guys that just aren't that solid in your lineup <laughs> this may be an easy question to answer based on what we just said um my other question for Rev is which which running back scores the most points this week for him? Um, I'm guessing you guys would say Shady. Yeah, I think the the you know the pace of the game there is just really gonna you know Pittsburgh's run defense, Pittsburgh's defense in general isn't very good, and I think that has potential to be a 31-28 game. I haven't checked the weather yet for that. I know Ed's gonna be at that game. There, is, there is a snowstorm. Moving across like the northern United States right yeah, now, deal. could be uh, could be in Buffalo by this weekend. Could be a good thing or a bad thing. They may run the ball more with him, but yeah, it could be. Um, um, they also came out today and said Gillisley will continue to be the goal line back. So that's huge. I mean, Shady's still going to get twenty touches probably, but I actually think Melvin Gordon's going to be the guy that scores the most points for Butler this week. I think uh, you know Luke Kick- Luke Keekley not there really hurts and. 
It doesn't even have the feeling of Carolina just kind of packing it in. Yeah, that whole Cam Newton thing was a disaster. Yeah. It's not good. It just has that feeling where they're going to pack it in for the rest of the year. Say, hey, we made the Super Bowl last year, and we're not in it this year. I mean, I feel like they're going to fold up 10. Yeah. It could be ugly. All right, who wins? Park versus Hammer. Shane, obviously. I've already made my pick. Uh, Got to stick with it. I, I think it's really close, but uh, I gave the edge to the Hammer. I'm just going to have to go with myself and have a little bit of confidence, but uh, <laughs> I, I do think it's it's really close, and it's all just a matter of who hits on a couple guys. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, you can't really go. These two teams are just loaded. I mean, off to a good start, though, if you can keep Latavius under, under 10, somewhere around there. I mean, that's a great start for you. I'm going to take the park. I think uh, Johnson and Beckham, and that combination is going to be huge this week, and I think Eifert has a big game as well against Cleveland, so I will take um, Abuseman Park to right the wrongs of this season and give Butler some payback for what he did at the draft. (laughs) Also, um, I'm going to get into my playoff predictions piece, but Butler is definitely one of them uh, that broke one of the the cardinal rules of fantasy football, so... (laughs) Move over to the other quarterfinal matchup. Pats versus take your ball and go home. Um, Papa Kaz wants this one, I know. And Shane, other than playing me, playing my dad's probably your second favorite person in the league to play. Maybe Phil is up there too, but uh, definitely a juicy matchup here. Does Papa Kaz have any chance if Julio Jones doesn't play this week? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say that he doesn't have a chance. I mean, obviously Julio is a big part of his team. I mean, he counts on him to be his pretty much his number one guy. Um, but you can't really just count someone just saying because this guy doesn't play, you don't have a chance. Um, it certainly hurts his, hurts his chances. Um, he'll just throw, I'm, sure, I'm assuming he'll throw in Willie Sneed. I think he picked up Justin Hardy if Julio's out for he that did. reason. He did. I figured he. I think he's still gonna go Snead. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he goes Hardy. But I think he still has a chance. I think this one's a lot closer than people think. ESPN has it projected for some reason like a twenty. It was like twenty-four point win going in. I, You're always projected high. Yeah, my projections are always sky high. Um, I always seem to end up in the one fifteen to one twenty range though. So. What about you, sure? What do you think if Julio's out? Does he have a chance? Uh, like like Shane said, I mean, you still have a chance. It's fantasy football, but it's going to be tough if you don't have you know your your best fantasy player going to win in the in the playoffs against another good team. So it, it's going to make it really hard, but it's it's possible. Yeah, running two tight ends out there, I feel like he can't afford bad games from Julio, um, and I'm not sure any guy he would replace him with wouldn't necessarily have that chance. I, it would definitely, I think, really, really hurt his, his odds. Yeah, he, I think he needs he needs him to play and play well. He needs yeah. someone to... to, to out- he needs someone to get in that 20 points because he doesn't really have those guys. Yeah. All those guys seem to be in the 10 to 14 range. He really needs someone to break out here. Yeah, I don't know what the, your other question is, but I, I was going to say, like, he needs he needs to pick the right quarterback. I, I think one of them... That was the next one. Cam or Stafford. <laughs> Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean... I don't feel like it's that hard. I think you play Cam. Oh, really? I do. Even though what, we, what I just Ugh. said... I, I, it's tough for me. 
but I, I think he, I know he's put in both at some point this week because I've been checking. <laughs> I, it's really tough. I don't know, but he needs someone to do something big. I feel mm-hmm. like um, I feel like without someone putting up a big week, it's going to be tough for him to, to outscore me because my guys just seem to always get steady production in like the one fifteen, one twenty range. <laughs> Snubbed at the goal line, Lathavius. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, I'm I'm gonna say Cam over Stafford, but well, Cam has the higher ceiling, but I don't know if you can trust that dude right now. I I would play Stafford, I think, but I think that decision almost might go hand in hand with if Julio plays. If if Julio's out, I think you probably have to go with the higher ceiling and and run out Cam. If if Julio plays, then maybe you can. You know, go with the more consistent Stafford, and you know, get that that solid number versus the you know the big number. Yeah, Cam's either going to go Superman or Super Diva this week. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna be one or the other. I don't see a lot of middling ground. Ed's been kind of beating the drum about how San Diego's actually not a bad. Oh, he's in. Oh man, that's it's not tough. good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Move over to take your ball and go home. Shane, are you at all worried about your boyfriend Monday night, Tom Tom Brady? Not at all. <laughs> um, really excited. Because it's a big game for them, because and it's Monday night, and it's, it's at home. Game. It's at home. It's Monday night. Um, like we said earlier, your stars show up on Monday nights, prime times. Um, no bigger star than Tom Brady, right? So... Not really worried about him. Yeah, I guess. Um, I feel like this is actually exactly what I needed because he's they've been kind of sluggish lately. Baltimore's pass defense isn't that great. Um, you can throw the ball on. Um, they're definitely going to want to win this one, um, especially if they can get into that top seed for the AFC. So um, they don't lose at home. Brady plays well at home. Not worried. You feel at all like they're maybe holding their cards close to the chest for the playoffs and all? I feel like that's what I've seen the last couple weeks. Well, I think the important thing is they know they have to they have to get home field advantage in the playoffs. That's going to help. Um, so they're going to have to play hard here the rest of the way because the teams in the AFC West are pushing them. Um, they definitely don't want to go on the road, so they're gonna they're gonna keep the gas pedal on for the next three weeks. Is so that's exciting for me. Um, this is also a team they've historically struggled against. Yeah, they always seem to play. They always seem to play slugfest kind of seventeen sixteen. Yeah. That kind of game against Baltimore, but I'm, I'm not that worried. Okay. Obviously, I don't necessarily think you need to play someone else, but I just didn't know if you were curbing your expectations. No, I'm actually expecting Brady to put up a good 20 points this week. So, Brandon, how do you feel about Brady's matchup this week? You know, again, it's one of those options you're not going to not play him. So, And I think as long as he doesn't throw up a real stinker, which is going to be real hard to do for uh, Tom Brady... I think uh, Stein still kind of, you know, moves along with the rest of his team that he doesn't need a, a big night out of him to, to win this matchup unless it gets crazy. All right. Um, how many catches do you guys think Mike Evans has this week against New Orleans? I'll go with eight. Uh, I don't know how much they're going to need him, so I'm going to go six. Alright, I think he's going to have it. Ten. Ten <laughs> catches. A lot of targets this week, I think. He always gets a lot of targets. Yeah. I mean, I'm, not, I'm excited, though, because he put up a clunker last week. So, usually, yeah. 
he hasn't put up back to back bad games really all season. So um, Shane six for a hundred. Shane, true or false? You're scared about Jay Ajayi, Devontae Booker, and Antonio Gates. Yeah, I mean those are the three. Those are the three. That's true. On a scale of one to ten, your terrified level is. It's, it's at least a nine. <laughs> I mean, I told you a couple weeks ago that I mean, a guy. I don't trust the guy at all. I think Pouncey's back this week, which is huge for him. Yeah, I wish I wish I would have been able to actually gotten rid of Jai. I I wanted to at the deadline, but just couldn't make it work. And obviously Booker with them bringing in for set, it's obviously scary. Um, who knows how full his workload is going to be from here on out. Probably going to lose some touches there. Um, and Antonio Gates, who knows what's going on there. I mean, yeah. that's what, that's the only reason I've held on to Vernon Davis. Is I mean, i got to try to pick the right matchup, and if Jordan Reed's not healthy, Vernon Davis is a viable play. But, yeah, those are the three that kind of are going to decide whether or not I win or not. I mean, they can easily put up less than five points between all, all three of them. So, I mean... Yeah, the nice part with uh, Ajayi is the fact that you think he's still probably going to get the touches and the workload, regardless of you know what the numbers have said lately. Where Booker, now you're hearing, you know, four split, sets can yeah. go in there and it's a split. And, you know, you never want to hear touches are going away. Um, yeah. So I would be a little bit more worried about Booker at this point than Ajayi, although you know the last couple weeks haven't been great. Yeah, I, I definitely. Am. Obviously, I'm going to start Ajayi. I mean, can't take him out. Um, Booker's a guy, though, that it's it's going to be a game-time decision. Whether him or Kelvin. Him or Kelvin. I mean, it's, it's basically a toss-up. Um, if, if you hear that Booker's going to lose a bunch of touches, then you take him out. But we'll All right. wait and see. Who wins? I think uh, T-Bag wins this one. Yeah. Um, there's four matchups I look forward to every year. It's two against you, two against Phil. No offense to everyone else. I've just been playing against you guys for a long time. And now, anytime I can play against Papa Cause, it's always exciting. I wish he was in my division. Uh, you and Eddie have kind of nixed the idea of letting me pick divisions. Because I definitely would have Papa Cause in my division, so I could play him twice a year. But it's exciting. But I think I'm going to take the big guy down this week. Um, I think it's going to be just a steady steady output from my squad. And he's going to need something crazy to happen. Someone unexpected is going to have to put up some big points. Um, the right call is to pick you, Shane. But just for the sake of being different, because I've lost everything else this year in fantasy <laughs> football, um, I'm going to take Papa Kaz. I think the big guy needs some fantasy karma. He hasn't had much this year, I don't think. He's had a lot of bad things happen to him on his team, which maybe means he's had good karma because he probably shouldn't be in the position he's in, but um, I think he gets it done, and I think you continue to search for your first Sons of Fantasy Football League championship. All right. Don't sell yourself short, though, buddy. You're, you're leading the uh, FanDuel Friends League. I am. I'm doing well there, but, you know, that's what good fantasy football players do. They may not be good at <laughs> the... the uh, the long game, but I can pick a good weekly lineup every week. So, <laughs> um, all right. The other thing I want to talk about, obviously, we should probably spend some time on the clan and team ice cream. Uh, we'll start off with the clan. Um, just, what do you guys think the biggest strength is of these teams and the biggest weakness? So we'll start off with Fegley, who again, thankfully, has changed his team logo to the Dallas <laughs> Star. 
I think uh, I think the weakness here is probably the you know the wide receiver position. Kenny Britt. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably not great. Um, Baldwin's kind of a you know a low floor or high floor kind of guy, but not really gonna you know wow anybody. Same thing with Moncrief. So I think wide receiver he doesn't have a big potential to put up a big number with those guys. Um, but then on the same time, I mean, I guess the consistency is maybe the positive that, you know, he's going to get 10 points out of each of them. He doesn't have the, you know, the possibility of throwing up a, a zero with any of those guys, I wouldn't think. Well, yeah, the weakness is definitely the lack of star power. Um, you look at just about all the other playoff teams, they have two or three stars on the team that can put up 20, 30 points. Yeah. Mean, and that just makes such a big difference. Fedley doesn't have those guys. I mean, outside DeMarco. Um, and Luck. And Luck, obviously. I mean, the quarterback position. But, like, position player-wise, he just doesn't have those guys besides DeMarco, it looks like, that that can put up a huge number for you. So he's got to bank on hitting on just about all of his guys for 10 to 15 every week. All of them got to do it, or he's, he's not going to put up a number. And when you're facing teams in the playoffs... You're going to probably need 115, 120 points yeah, at least big numbers. To, to win. Um, you're probably not going to get it done with, with just creeping over 100, 110 area. Um, any chance we see Adrian Peterson here in the playoffs? That would be a huge boost. <laughs> it would be. Um, he said he, he would only come back if the Vikings were still in the hunt. Um, I guess that's pretty much going to come down to whether or not they win this week. At um, Jacksonville. At Jacksonville, <laughs> so they probably should win that game. Um question is, is he going to be ready for week 15? Uh, I, don't know. I don't think so. But maybe he's ready for week 16 if they move on. Yeah. Um, it's a tough spot to throw him into the fire there. Uh, you have to. But you though. definitely would have yeah. to. Um, Over Kenny Britt. Yeah. yeah. You gotta, probably got to throw him in there. So, could be exciting for, for Fegley. Stash him all year. Um, I know we talked a lot about the weaknesses. Do you guys have a strength for him? Well, cons- consistency has got to yeah. be a strength for him. I mean, he's, he's got... Steady players. Steady players, steady seven, eight guys that, like Sure said, they're, they're not going to throw up zeros. They're going to they're gonna throw up. They're going to get touches. They're going to get somewhere in the 10-point in the range. You hope that you pop off a couple touchdowns out of a bunch of them. Um, I think that's what it's going to take for a team like that. He's going to need them to really get in the end zone at the end of the year here. I mean, that's kind of what fantasy football is. Who, who scores the touchdowns are yeah. generally going to win, but he just needs more guys to do it because he doesn't have the big stars. All right, what about Team Ice Cream? Same question. Uh, I don't. I mean, I, I think he has the best team in the league right now. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's, you know, consistent and can put up big numbers. Jordy Nelson can put up big numbers. Amari Cooper can put up big numbers. Rodgers. Rodgers, Greg Olson. You know, Brandon Cooks, Broncos defense. I don't, it, it's hard to find a hole. And then you go to the consistency of, you know, a Jonathan Stewart and a Frank Gore, where they're going to, they're going to get consistent numbers. It, it's hard. It's a good combination of star power and consistent numbers, you know, where I think maybe Butler and I on the other side, you know, going to face him have a little bit of the opposite where we have the stars but might lack in the consistency department with a couple of our last selections to fill out our roster. 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've pretty much been saying for the last month, this is this is the best team in the league. It has been. Um, he showed it by winning 10 games. I mean, he's pretty much done it from week one. Um, hasn't been a whole lot of bad weeks from my screen. His strength is he just has, I mean, it's silly to say, but he has just so many good players. It's ridiculous. Um, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott, the way he's played, has been incredible. Um, and then you get Rodgers, without a running game, having to throw all game long. Um, has really boosted him and Jordy Nelson's stock. Um, not that they weren't already high, but now it's just advanced them to the level where they're literally, I mean, Rodgers is pretty much the top quarterback every week, and Jordy's a, a top five, top ten guy every week. So, I mean, you have those three players, you add it to just the consistency of the rest of the lineup. His, his lineup really reminds me a lot of my team from last year. I mean, he's got a good balance of, of guys that put up big numbers and then he has like two or three guys that you know you can pencil them in for around 10, um, and they're not going to do less. Just like you said with Gore or Jonathan Stewart, I mean, those guys, they're going to get carries. They're going to get close to 10 points, somewhere around there for you. And you, you hope your stars do what they do, and they have been all year. Yeah, um, obviously, Elliott and Rodgers, big strength, as we talked about. But a Broncos defense this time of year is also a big strength, I think. Weather's getting a little colder, a little tougher to score. Um, they're gonna they're gonna put up some nice points for him here, especially. I think they'll have a nice game against New England next week. I don't yeah. know. What do you think about that? It's gonna be an interesting game. I know you talked to me about looking for a quarterback for week week fifteen. Um, I passed. Um, so I'm just gonna stick with Brady. But you gotta you gotta like anytime you get the Broncos D in any matchup. I mean, just with the pass rushers they have and the ability to to get turnovers, they're they're a solid play no matter where. Um. I guess if we're going weakness for this team, um, has to be Brandon Cooks, right? I mean, what's going on there? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably one of them, but Greg Olson has not been good lately either. So, I don't know. It's hard to make Greg Olson a weakness at the tight end position, but yeah, the, the, he needs him to do well. The weakness might almost be kind of what we talked about already, the Panthers packing it in and the fact that he has two of them. Two of them, yeah. Definitely. All right. Um, last thing to talk about. I want to get some playoff predictions from myself and Sher. I'll, uh, I'll let Sher go first. Uh, well, I said I, I'll take myself, so I'll stick with that. And then I uh, already picked Stein, so that'll give us, you know, uh, Fegley and Stein matchup and myself and Spears. And then I'll uh, I'll take Spears. I think his team's just really, really good, and it's just going to take a kind of a lucky week, which it's fantasy football it can happen, but a lucky week for anyone to beat him. And then I'm going to take T-Bag, and I will take Spears to win it all. Spears. So you got Butler. Sure's got Spears. Um, I'm not going to go through each matchup. I'm going to go back to last December whenever my – champion prediction piece and predicted myself I said there were five things that a fantasy champion um, should have and each bullet point will allow me to eliminate a team so the first one is a fantasy football champion should have at least two stud running backs last year this rule eliminated Papa Cause and this year it eliminates Papa Cause as well um, Blunt and Doug Martin albeit I think they're good um I don't think that's enough to win in uh, 
in playoff time. So it's not going to be Papa Kaz. Uh, fantasy football champions should not have a weak spot on their roster. Um, I guess this would probably, for me, eliminate Butler because I don't think Mike Wallace and Jason Witten are players on fantasy football champions. So knock him out there. Uh, fantasy football champions should be consistent week to week. Um, this one will eliminate Fegley. I mean, we talked about the consistency on his team, but the consistency is, is more of a floor than it is of a ceiling for him, so it's not going to be Fegley. That leaves Spears, Scher, and Stein. Um, fantasy champions shouldn't have to flip a coin with their starting running backs. Um... I guess this one would eliminate. Hmm. This one's going to eliminate. Stein. Um, because I think Ajay and Booker are becoming coin flips for you, unfortunately. I was going to pick you to win. That was my goal of this thing. It didn't work out that way. Fantasy champions should not sell their soul to the devil. Troy, you did it. You, you sold your soul. You went out and got Brandon Cooks. <laughs> spent the 25 bucks against everything you believe in. And that makes Brandon Schur the 2016 Sons of Fantasy Football League champion this year. Uh, last year, I correctly predicted myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's going to be you two guys. Um, one of you two guys is going to win, I think. So. I... I... Not to knock on, on Fegley, but I feel like you and Butler got to be rooting for Papa Kaz this week, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, Papa Kaz wins, he gets Spears next week. Um, yeah, we, we recede. We recede. So, I think yeah, you guys definitely want to get. Would, I think we can all agree Fegley would probably be the easier of the matchup. You want to you wanna stay away from Spears' team if you can. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you never want to play that team. Yeah. Uh, if you can avoid him. And he's the easy pick. He's the easy money, I think. Um, Obviously, won the points t- title, making him the best team in the league. So, yeah, I would definitely hope Papakaz can pull it out over you, you know, and then go face Spears and let either Butler or I take on Fegley. And again, that that matchup then just becomes if either Butler or I could hit on one of the stars that Fegley can't really keep up with with his consistent, you know, lineup. Did uh did some actual did some fun, some research this week, um, just looking at Dylan Bowles' season, um, <laughs> just incredible, um, the amount of points that he gave up, he ended up being like seventeen hundred and twenty five, which is absolutely absurd, for thirteen weeks of yeah. football, and I went through, I just wanted to see how like other teams would have done, facing his schedule, uh, no one in the league would have made the playoffs right. facing facing Bowles' season. He faced. The highest score in the week, I think, five times. Wow. Um, yeah, even Spears' team. I think my team was the best at 6-6. Six and six. I played bowl, so couldn't get that 13th game. But I would have been 6-6 six and six in the other games, and Spears would have been like 5-8. and eight. Wow. Like, and that was with him leading the league in points. Um, just talk about some bad luck. I mean... Shout out to Bowl. Uh, I think it's public knowledge, but... Uh... The newest Wilson JV head baseball coach. Nice. Got himself a nice little gig uh, just a couple of years out of school here. He'll be running the uh, 
ninth and tenth graders for Wilson JV. So that's that's big for him. That's nice, nice little stepping stone. One that's of the cool. better programs in the county. Um, all right, I guess last we got a little bit of time. Sure. Any any rule changes or anything you're looking forward to next year to bring into the league? Anything happened this year or anything you're not liking as much that we can maybe improve upon? Uh, I don't have the answer, and I know it's you know a topic we've all discussed, trying to get the quarterback value to mean something a little more. And I, I don't know what the answer is because we've discussed the you know two quarterback format can get hairy with a twelve team league and buys and people hoarding them. You know could leave somebody short a quarterback. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but I think. If there's a way we can get together and, and figure out a way to, to increase the quarterback value, it would it would make it a little more interesting. I mean, I know personally I have Drew Brees, I think, for nine bucks, which is kind of, you know, crazy. So if we could get figure out a way to, you know, make that. We have enough smart people in this league that we should be able to figure this out if everybody comes to the offseason meeting. We'll see about that. Yeah. Um... That's, that's a shout-out to you there, Phil. Come to a meeting. Come to the playoff party. <laughs> yeah, um, I know that's going to be the hot topic is the quarterback position. Um, I know Phil, I talked to him last week as he was slowly realizing his season was coming to an end. Yeah, um, he got real bitter and salty. <laughs> <that real quick. laughs> uh, he was real high after the Week 12 win. He was like, all right, all I need is a win and a Stein win. I get in. He was, he was excited about it. I let him down. Um, I did let him pick my tight end for the game last week. Um, I let him pick between Vernon Davis and Gates. Did it cost you the game? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I lost by 25 or something. Okay. So it didn't matter either way. But I told him, hey, go ahead. You pick which one, buddy. Which one's going to put up 30 points? You can, you can do it. You should have picked Fred Davis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, he, he had raised the question of of making a two-quarterback system. I know that's that's kind of what we – I think we a lot of us want to get to. Um, we're just not really sure how to implement it. I don't even know if we can, but well, I think we'll find a way. Um, there's got to be, got to be some way we can make this work. Um, I, I still don't think super flex is the route that we want to go, but um, maybe it is because maybe then everyone will just have two quarterbacks if it's a super flex. If we don't make that flex, if we don't make it be a quarterback, then maybe people won't be as willing to go out and grab three. I don't know. I mean, most people would, I think, play a quarterback there, but I don't think you want necessarily feel like you need to hold on to more. I don't know if you guys have a thought on that. Well, I mean, if you have a super flex position, I, I think you're going to want to play a quarterback in that yeah, spot. Yeah, but you don't um, necessarily feel like you have to roster three. Yeah, you're probably not going to have to have three of them. Unless you go out and get two of the top five. Yeah. Or you hit on someone like Matt Ryan for $10 on the waiver wire. <laughs> I got to toot my horn when I can, guys. I didn't do a lot of good things. <laughs> yeah, so when you did, I, I, I thought Ryan was... I'm usually the guy that, that rags on people for the quarterback pickups on the wire, but I, I said that one was that was one of the best ones we've had. I think it's safe to say kickers have, uh, have seen their final days in this league. Sure, do you have any, any love for the kicker position? Uh, I wouldn't. I mean, it's an interesting thing, but when it get down to it... I mean, there's no way you can... It's a one or two point trade off every yeah, week. Yeah. It feels like until all of a sudden, you know, Justin Tucker goes out there and puts <laughs> up a, a fifteen, and you're just 
And you're pissed when yeah, it's against you. And you lost because of a kicker. Something you, I mean, fantasy is kind of still luck, but that's nothing you can predict. You try and pick a high scoring offense, but that doesn't score all the time. It's just, it's crazy. So I, I don't think that would be a bad swap out. The final uh, one that I think Phil brought up to me a couple of weeks ago, and I, um, I, I want to implement it in some way, shape, or form. Well, there's two actually. Um, limiting our roster sizes a little bit, maybe eliminating an IR spot and a bench spot to increase some of the waiver wire activity. Um, do you have a stance on that? Yeah, I mean, I was just looking through last night, putting in a, a waivers. A lot of the playoff teams have, you know, fifty, seventy-five dollars left. So I think that's a good idea to try and. You know, get people to utilize that that fab money, you know, and make it a little little bit more interesting on the wire. Yeah, I think I think we definitely need to look at something there. Um, we certainly need to find a way to get people more interested in player acquisition throughout the year. Yeah, um, I think it's Butler and Spears both have a ridiculous amount of money left. Yeah, um, didn't really need to spend much to get any players this year. Um, so that's definitely, I think, taking away one roster spot, probably an IR spot, too, would, would definitely, I mean, just think about it, adds 12 people to the waiver wire mm-hmm. or more every yeah. week. Definitely I, would think it, I would think it probably adds at least 15. Yeah, every week. Um, certainly makes the bidding process a little more exciting every week in, week out. Still um, gives the opportunity to hold your big acquisition that maybe went down with a four-week injury, but it doesn't give you the flexibility to hold two of them, which... I think is a good place for the league to go in. Um, and then the final one that I think for the first time I'm going to publicly publicly propose is uh, moving the trade deadline up to be after week eight, after the crossover games have been played, so that nobody um, can make a trade acquisition, a big trade acquisition, before they play their division the second time through. Everybody plays basically the same core of players the second time in the division, so... That's something I think it would maybe forces some people to push the issue. Doesn't necessarily allow myself to do what I did this year, where I bought in week nine or week ten, and then sold in week twelve, and still got my full twenty five dollars for next year. So um, I I did that. I didn't necessarily feel great about it, but you know. Yeah, I think this one's definitely gonna probably be a big discussion. Um, I can see people being on both sides of it. Really? I thought everyone would kind of be in favor of that. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I think I think it might slow people making some, you know, moves, which we don't, you know, we don't want. Well, I think there's two goals. Obviously, the one I mentioned of the not necessarily making an acquisition to um, improperly balance the second round of division play. But the other thing is it may get rid of some of these $25 draft cash deals. And I think that's something that I think a lot of the league maybe would be happier about. Well, I'm not going to... Like, I like the way our league's going. I do think that I would probably be in favor of moving the deadline up. Because the one thing you see, we've seen the last couple of years, is you see teams going into the playoffs with remarkably better teams than they had during the season. Yeah. I mean, Butler's probably the, the obvious one this week, this year. Yeah, I mean, if he has to play down A.J. Green, yeah, that's huge. 
without AJ Green and without Latavius Murray, yeah. without Lashawn McCoy. Yeah, he may still get in the playoffs at that point, but he's certainly not. Certainly your, a much not, different. not your champion prediction. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely probably not the team I picked to win. So I mean, it's not that. Hey, he he was willing to go out and spend the money to, and someone he found someone that was willing to to give him those players, but. You just don't want to see teams going in with two different of a team. I feel like. Yeah, I never thought I'd agree with Bino. Yeah. In the baseball, even exactly. brought that up, but um, if they are, you'd like to see them make that decision, probably a little earlier yeah. in the season, not week twelve. And I, st- I don't think it definitely won't hurt um, buyers that are ready to buy at week eight. Um, I just think a there will be less sellers, and it'll make the trade process maybe more competitive maybe people are more willing to flip a keeper for two high priced players and I think it could really help everybody out do you think some people would be against that though I, I don't know they're going to be against it I just think there's going to be there's going to be some some interesting viewpoints um, on both sides of the fence there I mean some people might like having that extra three weeks to decide well yeah I mean clearly <laughs> yeah um, I, I don't know that anyone is really, really going to want to sell before that. It might, it's definitely going to slow things down as far as making... I think it might eliminate the fact, hey, I'll give you my $50 running back that I paid for for $25 next yeah. year. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess looking at it this year, maybe the only one who would have kind of affected would have been Phil having to make a decision a little bit earlier then, you know, he was kind of down, but then the last couple of weeks, you know, went, yeah. on, went on a streak and, you know, he was right there. He had a, a realistic chance, probably, a, you know, a 50-50 chance to get in. Yeah, the rest of us, I think, deep down in our hearts knew we were sellers. We were just holding out to see what we could get, maybe if an injury came out, but... You know, so Phil may have been the only one that would have had to make a, you know, a real decision at that point to say, I'm going for it, or... I'm going to pull out and get get what I can get. And I think you should always kind of lean on the side of playing it out and seeing what your team has. Well, yeah, so. it just makes it more fun that yeah. way. But I think the one thing we're, we're not looking at is after eight weeks, there's really, you're looking at having maybe one, two sellers. Um, mm-hmm. You're probably looking at... So you got to get creative. I mean, I'm not saying you would ever do this, but... You could have flipped David Johnson for three monster pieces. Was that a move you would have wanted to make? Obviously not, but if it would have given you a best chance of winning this year. No, but I, I definitely agree with that because I've, I've had conversations this year, and again, it was with certain people, but just unwilling to move keepers regardless of what you you know are offering those guys. Like like you said, I you know if I get down next year and David Johnson is my one piece there's going to come a time where you have to flip him yeah it's just it is what it is you have to make sure that you know the value's right and everything but you you have to you have to move keepers at some point yep definitely um alright anything else for the playoffs I guess just since Ed's not here we we better give some kind of two for one special oh yeah who do you Um, like you guys like this week? I haven't even looked at the lines. Tennessee favored over Denver. That one's a weird one to me. Um, is Lynch quarterbacking again? Simeon's um, questionable. That dude so, sucks. He's terrible. That one was one that stuck out to me. I'm not. 
Some got some scrub played him in Fanduel last week. <laughs> um, I think I gotta like the. Uh, I know you might not be with me on this one, cause but Pittsburgh minus three, two and a half, wherever you're getting it. The two for one special is a is an underdog. You like the Bills in that one? No, I'm, I'm just looking at games. Oh, all um, right. Chargers, Panthers. Panthers are favored by one and a half. If I'm gonna go, un- we have to go underdogs here. I think that's I'll what the take- two for one is. In that case, I'll take. Give me. Give me the Rams, and give me the Ravens on Monday night. Ravens getting seven. Yeah, it opened up Rams at nine. Getting six and a half. Yeah. Kind of like the Packers at home getting three against the Hawks. Kind of like that line. Um. I don't mind the Giants getting three and a half at home. Kind of like this one may be a little outlandish. Texans are getting six and a half at Indy, but I feel like I don't think Indy's six and a half points better than anybody, except for maybe the Jets last week. But <laughs> Jets getting two and a half against the 49ers. That's a tough one to not. Th- those those are two bad teams. That's that game's that's, almost unwatchable. That's just miserable. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess we should maybe see if we can get a hold of Ed tonight because he's got to get his, his six in for five Gs this week. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's wrap this thing up. We got some NBA to watch for the week fourteen Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast quarterfinal edition. Thanks to Sher for joining Stein and I. Um, we'll hope to get Ed back on next week to talk about the semifinals. Hopefully for you guys, uh, you're both part of it. And thanks for listening. Good luck to the six teams that are left. And uh, look out for some news about the playoff party here soon. I'm thinking we may do it at Papa Causes again if the weeks fall right. And uh, hopefully we get some good games to watch like we like we had last year. Thanks for listening, fellas. And we'll talk to you guys next week.